Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Branding Business. I am Andrea Fabri, and our show today focuses on the role that innovation methodology can play to help executives drive differentiation and growth. With me today is uh, Bennett Bayer. He's the global CMO at Huawei, where he's responsible for strategy and implementation focused on carrier cloud computing, big data, mobility solutions, and services partnerships. Uh, To characterize Bennett, I actually would like to use a quote from a famous Quentin Tarantino's movie, Pulp Fiction. Uh, My name is Wolf, and I solve problems. Uh, like Wolf, in Pulp Fiction, Bennett is usually brought in to figure it out, as uh, he said to me, uh, creating market-driven vision and strategy that can drive uh, profitable execution. Welcome, Bennett. Well, How are well, you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, uh, Bennett. So uh, you and I have been uh, uh, corresponding and, and speaking for the last uh, couple of months um, and we've been having conversations about uh, the fact that innovation is uh, definitely a key component uh, moving forward to drive uh, business growth for B2B companies. Uh, you know, I look at it and I see, and I, I see mobility, social media, emerging technologies are all creating uh, a really a new and shaping a new business environment. They're commoditizing industries. They are revolutionizing products in some cases. And clearly, they are transforming competition and the interaction between brands and customers. Uh, It's very obvious to me that to drive business growth, companies must rethink how uh, brands deliver value and also how they're experienced. In other words, companies must innovate. So uh, you've spearheaded many innovative initiatives with success over the course of your career where you were brought in to figure it out. So is, is there a set of principles that you followed with success and that executives uh, should adopt to ensure that innovation is uh, accomplished but also accomplished with the desired business outcome? Well, great question um, with, with many answers. Yes, I think so. And for me, a lot of it has been kind of trial by error. Interesting story. When I, one of my first big hires, I worked at Casio, uh, to launch uh, the LT70P video phone. And it was a product that never existed and a category that never existed. And I remember calling my father-in-law, who was head of new products at, at a large consumer products company. And I asked him, Bill, you know, they want a forecast. They want a for you know, but how do I do a forecast on a product that never existed in a category that never existed? And he said, oh, bloody hell, tell them what they want to hear. Really? That's how you do that? Uh, So it took a lot of the mystery. So, you know, where do ideas come from? I I think there are um, really five basic areas. Where do the ideas come from? And then developing an internal methodology to manage that, you know, what can be a, a flood or fire hose of ideas. For me, how I organize my business, which is how along the lines of how I make money is one of the key ways to succeed. How you engage and foster communication across different business units with supply and distribution chains and how you build 
you know, currency both for personally and for your department, I think goes a long way towards success. And then the most critical one and is perhaps the most challenging. You have to willing to be wrong. And for me, um, I, when I take over a, a new tenure, I usually come in and say, look, I, you know, I launched the first digital camera. I launched the first mobile app store. I did the first global voiceover IP service. I've had some success, but I'm wrong half the time. You guys have to figure out which half. And coming into a company like Huawei in the Chinese culture where nobody dares question their supervisor and question things has been, you know, I'm very pleased to say we're making progress, but I think that's one of the big reasons why we've had such outstanding success over the past few years in getting the younger team members to question everything. And that's what I want from my team. Um, I don't have a franchise on being right. And, you know, every CEO I go into interview with, you know, I say, look, I need a partnership. I, you know, I, I can tell you which way to go. I can tell you why. I can give you a PowerPoint and, and hundreds of pages of, of stats and, and data to say this is the way to go, you know, where the puck is going. But here's why I think we could have trouble or fail. And you have to have partnership and be willing enough to discuss both sides of any issue. That that's uh, that's really nice. Uh, so uh, you mentioned organizing businesses, foster communication, willing to be wrong, which is uh, such a, a refreshing statement uh, to hear. Um, uh, can you give us uh, some examples, uh, you know, of, of, of past uh, st- sort of stories that you can share uh, about how you applied these principles and and why they were successful? Oh, sure. Um... One of my favorite tenures was at Unisys. So I'm, I'm running, you know, what was the largest mobile messaging business in the world. Um, we had 86% of, of it globally. Um, but we were going to lose everything within three years because the, the, it was a mainframe platform. And so the, the mission was replace that revenue. We won't give you any budget and we'll give you two people to start. So I, I came up on the idea of mo- taking other people's stuff, mobile, you know, Spiro had 100 mobile games. So I productize them, put my brand on them, ISO 9000 and, and idle methodologies, and put them on a platform for our guys to sell to the carriers and the operators. My business then became, and, and with success, I added a, a product marketing group organized by how we made money, which was lifestyle was enterprise uh, application, mobile enabling, enterprise legacy things, um, mobile payments, and infrastructure. And so I put four product directors, or VPs in some cases, in charge of those business. Now, they came up with the ideas. They had their own technologists. Um, they had, And then I had a separate group of resources, which is all the Marcom, um, promotional stuff, the uh, business development guys that go out and help do the deals with, with different mobile vendors. And then I own the factory um, with the head of my development. I had 3,000 developers. So what are we going to make? And basically I had four guys who, or four teams that would argue you know, why we should build this mobile app or why we should do this mobile payment solution, and that became the to-do list. Now, 
I knew pretty much what was going to succeed in, you know, because it's my backside on the line, but they put together the business case. And so, the, you know, this is how the organizing by the business. But when you get someone who really argues passionately and maybe they've been kind of timid and they make their the business case, even if you know they're wrong, if it's not really going to hurt the business and you can see they're going to crash into a wall, you still let them go do it because that's how you learn. And, you you know, you have to support that. So there, there's a does that make does that answering your question yeah so it sounds like uh you know uh innovation really is driven by the willingness to to dare uh the courage to be wrong um and to admit that uh, one is wrong you know the the reason why i i'm uh, attentively listening to 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 you speaking is uh, i in today's environment so dominated by data in search of uh, absolute predictable results um, I often wonder if we are losing uh, courage and leaving behind the power of ideas. Well, um, okay. You know. So the term innovation, I believe, comes from, it's a noun from the 15th century. I'm not a big fan of the term because, you know, I've done over 400, you know, new products and software applications or services um, only 27 of them have been unique. So I would ask you to consider what's the difference between unique and creativity versus, say, Darwinian evolution. You know, a lot of time if you've got something, if you've got a product or a service, and you're simply adding new capabilities to it, is it innovation or is it really just the next, you know, the Dar- as Darwin would say, the evolution of whatever that is? Yeah, the, you're absolutely, uh, I, I agree with you. And definitely the word innovation is uh, used and often me, misused. Um, you know, when you look at the principles that you uh, briefly highlighted, what do you see most companies failing? I think without question, it's around that, the willingness to be wrong, um, the willingness to question um, at, at, that's at the 100,000-foot level. At the execution level, it's failing to have a methodology to empower people. Everybody talks about you want all the employees to contribute to the business, to innovate. Yeah, okay, that's great. How do you do that? How do you manage, you know, this is that, that flood of ideas, and you have to funnel it down to, you have to have a methodology to funnel it down to, Okay, of these hundred ideas that we got this month, what are the top three? And of those three, okay, what's the business case and rationale to do one of those? That's where most people fall down. And it's it, it needs to go beyond the you know, anybody can go out there and you know, you can give me ten million dollars and I'll go do anything. Um, whether or not it's going to be success, that is a different matter. And so you need to think about it, you have to really look at it from every side, and then once you think it's, you know, like just as you would go talk to a VC, once you think the idea is fully baked, now turn around and try and pick it apart. Where can it fail? Um, for example, most most solutions going to market today, how do people sell it? Not just why does somebody want this, what problem does it solve, but who's going to sell it? Why should my guys at Huawei, who are making their quota, 
selling servers and storage and virtualization and all the 900 and other products we have, why should they sell cloud orchestration? They're making their quota. Why should they sell something new? And that that is probably the biggest challenge for most organizations. Who sells it and why? Yeah, I, I definitely tend to agree. Um, you know, you also touched on fostering communications and the importance of fostering communications. Um, how do you approach that? Because that is, those two words together are some of the most misused words in the business uh, literature. You know, the importance of fostering, fostering communications, especially functional communications among different departments. How do you approach that? Um, I, okay, so the best business lesson of my life, um, I'm at Infonet, which is either everybody was either 20 years plus or five years less. There was nobody in the middle. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a new guy, and I'm running one of four divisions. So I'm a grand poobah. Um, and I was launching a, a new a global service, and I couldn't get anywhere. And fortunately, I had a guy on my team who was, you know, in his in his mid sixties, and knew everybody in the company. And literally, going door to door to, they had what's called a tiger team. It was all the, you know, uh, support, billing, customer care, help desk. Oh, before I could launch legal, I had to visit and spend time with every one of these people, and fully think through how I'm going to launch my service. What were their objectives? So I think spending time before you launch, when you have an idea, you know, it, I'm in a great job as a, as a chief marketing guy. You know, it, they generally answer the phone, but you got to go see them. You have to take them to lunch. You have to constantly talk to them, not try and sell them something. You know, transparency is, is, is something you have to live and breathe every day. So I go take, you know, the legal guy or the finance guy, I take them to lunch just about once a week. I make sure to touch base with them and just catch up. Hey, this is what my guys are thinking. On. What do you think of that? Hey, I have this kind of reaction from, you know, this customer and that customer. What do you think about that? You need to ask questions. Uh, one of the things I learned at Casio was they, they teach you to ask why five times. <laughs> and I've conti- I continue that today on any subject with whomever I'm, I'm working with. Ask why. How does this affect you? Why do you think that? And that, yeah. that's what builds currency. And I don't see, you know, half of marketing is internal in most organizations. And I think that's something, you know, we think too much about social and digital marketing and prog- programmatic solutions and avatars and a- digital agents. Most of marketing is internal. It's being that glue between different business units. Uh, this is uh, another quite uh, beautifully worded statement, uh, Bennett. I couldn't agree more, especially in the day and age where communication seems to be happening more through texts and media postings and, and so forth. A few uh, last question that I have for you. Um, the uh, I, it really caught my attention on a, a recent, uh, it was uh, is- actually issued in 2014, a report from the Corporate Executive Board uh, that stated the fact that only 14% of B2B customers perceive uh, a true real difference in a supplier's offering and, and value enough to be willing to pay for it. 
The number is quite low, in my opinion, but certainly is indicative of the fact that companies need to start to look at uh, what they sell, um, why is their product relevant. Uh, In your opinion, what can companies do better to leverage their brands to drive differentiation? Uh, You know, what is... What, what, is, what, what is your take on it? Um, it communication. So, so um, and, and I, I'm, I'm thinking about this like, geez, I don't want any of my competitors to be listening to this. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I, I believed in and I, I found in my previous tenure, is, um, I implemented enterprise social. And if you could think of it like LinkedIn, which I hope many of the people listening to us will Um, be familiar with. And if you can think of an unlimited number of groups. So for I have 946 different product lines. Every one of those product lines has its own group, if you will. And it has SharePoint and Access and and different platforms, including communications, um, attached to this. So everybody on that associated with that product, that product manager can talk to all the people internally, salespeople, he can talk to all of the distributors and, and partners, which are carriers and mobile operators, or he can talk to a single carrier and operator on that, say, a storage product with Telefonica and his product team. And so you have this wonderful collaboration. Now you can expand that to the supply chain partners associated with that product with the distribution partners. You can do it in an unlimited numbers of ways with gamification. I'm tr- if you come up with a great idea, we're going to track it. You're going to get pats on the back on your, your annual review as to what you contributed to the project or project. You know, it's that kind of transparency and communication. And we've got over a million users on this. Um, you know, Huawei itself is 160,000. Uh, but we're extending it now with a number of the carriers and, and mobile operators to their customers and how we better, you know, we manage the network for, um, let's say, ET Salat and how we extend it to their customers in different countries, just that country, and work on the issues that are relevant to them. 